Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, hosted by 4constructionpros.com and covering various aspects of the construction industry, including the equipment, people, companies, and associations making it all happen. My name is Becky Schultz, editor of Equipment Today. And in this episode, Stephen King, President and CEO of Growth Force, discusses the prevalence of fraud in the construction industry, especially among smaller businesses, the steps you can take to mitigate risk, and the role technology can play in fraud prevention. Let's dig in with Stephen now. Stephen, thank you for joining us again on the Dig- Digging Deeper podcast series. Um, you have been on our uh, program before, but just to kind of give an update to those who may not have um, heard the previous podcast, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about Growth Force and the services it offers? Sure. Growth Force is a cloud-based outsourced bookkeeping, accounting, and controller service for companies that use QuickBooks or Inchact or Zero or NetSuite. And we complement existing staff or, or provide a full stack to give you a team and a technology to be able to get actionable financial reports so you can make data-driven decisions about pricing your jobs and, and how to reward and, and recognize your people and to to make data-driven decisions that increase profits and improve cash flow and reduce your risk, which is what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. And since you kind of lead into that, um, what we're going to talk about is risk management management from the perspective of fraud prevention. And, you know, I, I am going to assume that considering all the different variables that contractors have to deal with on construction sites, fraud prevention is probably not something that is immediately top of mind for them. But I'm curious, how prevalent is it in the construction industry? And, you know, what are the the potential risks or repercussions if you're not aware of it? Well, the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners does an annual report to the nation on occupational fraud. And what's valuable about the report is they separate out companies with under 100 employees and study what the uh, risks is. And, you know, most construction companies that we work with are, are under 100 employees. So we really study what's going on there. And you find that there's more fraud in the smaller businesses of any industry than there is in the larger. Really? And yeah, and, and, it's, and it's because small businesses can't do the number one thing, which is separation of duties. You, you've often got one trusted person who's logging into the bank and paying the payroll and reconciling the accounts, and that is just an, an absolute recipe for disaster. Okay, so that, that's interesting. So can you perhaps cite some examples or um, anecdotes of things that you've encountered in your, I, your business? I talked to a, a, a company today, a, a, a home, home services, you know, $15 million business where the CEO got ripped off by his trusted bookkeeper slash office manager, you know, originally his executive assistant, the person he trusted more than anything else just had the keys to the kingdom and stole 15 grand. 
Okay. What's what's fascinating across uh, just from ATM withdrawals. He told me that really? this morning. And and as you go into recessionary times, you know, desperate people make desperate moves. So it gets worse. You know, it's 54% according to the ACFRE of businesses never recover anything from their fraud, not a dollar. And the typical surveyed organization in the survey had a median loss of $125,000. And it takes 18 months to find it. Wow. So are there any signs that um, perhaps a company can be watching for that might help them to identify when they are at risk of fraud? Well, the first, there's two parts. There's your systems of internal controls, and then there's the human factor. So let's, let's start with the systems because this is the first checklist that you want to go through is to make sure that the person who's paying the bills is not reconciling the bank account. Okay. That's, that's the biggest mistake that we see all the time because that's how they cover their tracks. It's, it's, um, it's, you're giving, you know, the studies have shown that if you make it easy for somebody to steal, it's just not a matter of will they, it's a matter of when. Because people will use, um, their, they will justify their actions. Oh, they're making a lot of money here. They won't miss 500 bucks. And so what you've got to do is you've got to have separation of duties. You know, there's, there's three different roles on every transaction in accounting to help reduce the risk of fraud. The person who approves the bill, which is usually the owner or, you know, a project head sure. needs to be, needs to be separated from the person who creates the transaction, which is, you know, the bookkeeper. And that needs to be separated from the person who's doing whatever the account reconciliation is. You know, if you're talking about paying bills or expenses, the person who's, Paying the bill should not reconcile the bank account. If you're talking about payroll, whoever is, whoever is entering the payroll should not reconcile the payroll accounts. Okay. So that's, that's the simple thing. And once you do that, you're, the numbers drop exponentially. It changes everything. If you, the person who, who approves the transaction, who enters the transactions and reconciles the transactions are separate. And your CPA should be able to help you with any of these reconciliations, or that's what Growth Force does. So, of course, we're naturally happy to do that as well. And since you bring up Growth Force, um, obviously technology can play a role in um, helping to monitor what's going on with these types of transactions. Can you talk a little bit about the, the role of technology in helping to minimize the risk of fraud? Yeah, so, so you know, everything's auditable now. When you, when you integrate and automate your systems, you have more information available faster and at a lower cost. So for example, you know, if you have to have um, this company that I talked to this morning, what we're doing is we're implementing expense management system where every employee will be able to take a picture of whatever it is they're buying and link it to a form where they're going to say, okay, what customer was this for? What job was this for? What, what service are we delivering? And then upload that into the accounting system. They're using QuickBooks Online. 
and be able to have that automatically routed to a budget manager for approval. Then when the budget manager approves it, it will get automatically posted into QuickBooks and then put into the payables. And then we're automating the bill payment process so that there's a scanned image attached to that email on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer. That expense that has to get paid goes to an approver if needed or the, bill, or the person who's paying the bills. Like I get, the, I pay the bills at Growth Force. And I can open up that email and I can see which of my budget managers approved it, what account code was it charged to, is it billable to a customer or not, and most importantly, I can see the scanned image of the bill. We just had something happen where over the Thanksgiving break, we had one of our clients, you know, we do bookkeeping, accounting, and controller services, and, you know, we work with the in-house existing staff at our clients. You don't have to fire anybody. We'll actually teach them and train them in how to do their job better, and we'll just complement and fill in the holes. So we were serving as the controller, just doing a month end close, and you know, revenue, recognize the revenue at the end of each month and making sure the payroll is recorded in the, in the months that people work so you can see a true P&L each month. We also do the bank reconciliation because the office manager was doing that and paying the bill. So we just, she kept everything that she was doing before except for the bank rec. And what we could see, because we have a scan image attached to the bill payment, there was a second AT&T bill this month for 585 bucks. And we went to the owner and, and we went and we went to the owner and said, did you open up a second bank uh, credit a phone bill? You know, maybe it's for internet. We don't know about. And he said, no. So we called AT&T and what we found was her kids were home over Thanksgiving break. She got a, a, a whopper of a, of a bill because she didn't have an unlimited data plan. And they're watching, you know, streaming Netflix 24 hours a day for a week. And her husband lost his job and she was already worried about Christmas and just borrowed. And that's how it starts. It starts with 500 bucks and they don't get caught. And then they say, okay, well, I'll do it again. And I'm going to pay it back. And the next thing you know, it's $12,000 and they're so deep into it. You're, and you, you'll never see it. You know, and that's the, that leads to the second part. So the systems are really important. You know, you got to lock down prior periods. You can't go hide transactions in, you know, three years ago. You, there's a lot of things that, that, are, that are critical. Um, but that separation of duties is number one because that's what helps you be able to make sure that um, you don't give them the keys to the kingdom. We also, you know, simple things like on the system side is, have a copy of the bank account emailed to you so you can open it and look for those electronic transfers. Make sure you've approved all those payments. You know, that, that's real easy to do. That's separation of duties as well. If, if you have one person who's doing the bank account reconciliation, then you better be looking at everything. Um, we also suggest that you're going to really control the user access inside QuickBooks or any accounting system because then you can follow an audit trail. So don't have everybody logged in as admin or anybody ever using admin. Just make sure that your systems are, are each person's keystrokes can be tracked because everything's traceable then. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And it sounds like it really is just kind of allowing yourself to have a chain or a trail where you can monitor what's happening on every level of the transaction from exactly. start to finish. Exactly. Right. So are there other key steps or other best practices that um, construction companies should be applying that can help them further protect their businesses against the risks that you're describing? Yeah, you know, um, the most important part of, a, of, of internal controls is about having a control environment. And so when you, you just separate those duties, you want to make sure that you are documenting it in a written policy and procedure. Sounds, it sounds really stupid, but you want to make sure that you get your employees to sign that policy and procedure. You know, a policy is going to describe what should be done, and the procedure is how do you do it? And you can't build a business on tribal knowledge. You, a well-run company handles every transaction consistently across the workforce by having all policies and procedures in writing. I have another story. I got a, a, a we have a big uh, landscaping company does, you know, pools and, and spas and ponds and summer kitchens and their bookkeeper, they came to us because their bookkeeper stole $65,000 just using the company credit card and just accounting for it, burying the expense so they couldn't see it. And when they went after her, the money was gone. It was all spent on eBay. And <sighs> they went to their apartment and, you know, she didn't have anything of value, just uh, a, a really fancy stereo. And the detective said something that was really important. He said, did she sign a procedure that says that she's not allowed to steal company assets for personal gain and uh and, and and i remember david saying to me what kind of stupid question is that i'm a small business i don't have them sign a procedure he said well you can't file a civil court claim you're only going to be able to file a criminal court claim because you know criminal is stuff that's harmful to the society civil means it's a private dispute between people and how are you going to, you have to prove that she knew she wasn't allowed to do that. I thought that's the stupidest thing ever. Right. That's one of the, that's one of the steps a well-run company will follow. The, the, you know, when it comes to people, I think one of the biggest things is to be alert to the warning signs, right? Now that, right. that, 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 uh, that fraud, it was triggered uh, by the, 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 the bookkeeper, by, by some pressures because her husband lost a job and she had some personal debt. So you want to look at those external factors in someone's life. You know, do they have a medical bills piling up or a, an ailing parent moving back in and all of a sudden their, their needs change? That's the first you know, as hard as it is, that's just when fraud happens. Sure, sure. There's, there's also, you know, drug or alcohol use or gambling or just somebody who just spends a lot of money. But, you know, you want to pay attention to those signs. That's, that's one of the keys that helps 
make it less risky. Right. And just an awareness of what's happening in uh, those critical roles, um, lives that could put them in the position where they might take that step. Exactly. So looking at the trends in the construction and as well as other industries, how critical do you feel it will be going forward, looking longer term, that contractors really take the precautions that you've described here and, and make sure that their businesses are protected against fraud? And what larger role do you see technology continuing to play in helping to mitigate those risks? I've, I've been doing this for 30 years, right? I was a manager of accounting system design at Ernst & Young and specialized in internal control systems as, a, as you know, a CPA in the consulting group. That was my specialty, which is why you know, I'm so passionate about it. And right now, the risks of fraud are higher than they ever have been, especially for small businesses because of cyber threats. You know, there's three big ones. There's there's CEO email scams and uh, phishing. Those are the, the, the ones that I'm seeing right now that are just really scary. You know, phishing and spear phishing is two types of emails where the, you receive an email that looks like it's legit. I got one today that came from Amazon and said your payment methodology was um, what, what got declined. Your payment, your credit card got declined. And so you're, we see, we're seeing a lot of, of these phishing emails that are so realistic that it's very difficult to stop. And, People are losing money, tens of thousands of dollars, because the crooks have gotten so sophisticated. Here's one that's uh, somebody who does a, does a lot of ACHs because they have a lot of big dollar amounts that they're going on to jobs. And the crooks uh, look at the Facebook page of the business and they get look at the real emails of their um, their um, their uh, clients and replicate. I literally had one um, where they replicate everything about the company on an email. They the same signature file with the picture of the CEO of the client, the same footer, everything, but they change two letters in the company name in the in the URL from UE to EU. And this literally, I saw it with my own eyes. If you did not know the look carefully, you would have missed it. And it was an instruction to pay, transfer something to pay for some materials on a job. And the banks are no longer liable for those kinds of, of uh, theft. They, they, since after September 11th, they passed, um, um, uh, Treasury 20, uh, 2020, I think they called it, where Alan Greenspan said the banks are no longer liable for an uh, action of, uh, by, the, by the company. You have, you have 48 hours in a, in a corporate bank account in order to be able to tell the bank that something happened. 
And so you've really got to have a daily process of downloading those transactions and reviewing them and reconciling them and making sure they're all approved or else you've got a lot of risk. Absolutely. It sounds like it, the importance of having that kind of electronic trail to be able to follow and following it consistency is just critical in this environment that we're seeing coming out um, with all these different scams. Yeah, you, you, you can also look at the, you know, the anti-malware apps, you know, just that, that what we do is we, we run tests of our staff. We have one that runs every, every couple of months, uh, random, each employee gets tested on malware. And so we want to see, do they click on something they shouldn't be clicking on? And then we can teach the people that, you know, it's a simple teach. Look at the email address where it's coming from. Make sure it's exactly what it should be. It said Amazon, but when you moused over it, it said, you know, NSV nefarious email address. It's not, it's, it's really easy to find them once you know how. That's a great tip. And I, I think that you've given some really great advice on how to minimize the risk of fraud in your business. Is there anything else that you'd like to point out to um, construction business owners to help them going forward? You know, I just, five things. It's what I always tell people. Look at the bank account yourself if you don't separate the duties. But whatever you do, number, that's one. Number two is don't let the bookkeeper reconcile the bank account or the person who's paying the payroll reconcile the payroll account. They can change the amount that you deposit to the IRS every month and claim it as a refund on their personal tax return. You'll never see it. The net check doesn't change. How do you know what the amount of the payroll tax deposit is supposed to be? You gotta be really careful with payroll. That, that requires a lot of special attention. You wanna lock down the prior period. You need to have a, a month end close where when you issue the financial statements, you close the month. We recommend you, rec you, you do a revenue accrual. You recognize whatever percent of complete every job is and you do a payroll accrual. You record the payroll in the month that the work was done. Then you have the 80-20 rule for accrual accounting. You can make sure that you're really seeing a P&L by month and see the true economic results for that month. And it also helps you reduce the risk of fraud so that people don't go back and bury a payment in 2018 that you'll never see. Right. We recommend just automating to get your expense management and your bill payment to get scanned images attached to each transaction. It's all available on your phones. It's really easy to, to help eliminate the number one way fraud happens, which is bill payment, check tampering. Uh, the bookkeeper, the number one way in the past has been the bookkeeper changes the payee to themselves and then just records it as, as a legitimate expense in the accounting system. Unless you go back to that check and see that they wrote it to themselves, you'll never catch it. But if you have a scanned image attached to each transaction and you put that inside QuickBooks, it makes it really hard to fake a bill. Right. The, 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 the fifth one, the last one is just make sure that you're setting up QuickBooks to restrict the access based on what people are supposed to be doing. You know, I have another story. This was a, a, a um, wholesaler for contractors. You know, we tried to do the whole supply chain. These guys were provide wholesale builders material. So, you know, they have every morning, it's a big masonry company. They have a, trucks lining out the door where to pick up cement and, uh, you know, uh, timber and all the materials they could possibly need. And 
they're using QuickBooks Enterprise Edition, um, but uh, so as as they were not restricting access. So the, one of the cashiers, they had big companies, six cashiers up there. One of the cashiers, when they got paid some cash, they made the deposit into their pocket instead of into uh, the the deposit envelope. And then they deleted the invoice so they could never see it. Well, you can restrict access by, by, by user, by function, by screen, so that you're separating the duties between authorizing a transaction, the record keeping, and the reconciling of each transaction. So that's a, that's a big separation that QuickBooks has available to help you separate those duties. You know, the way, the way it was found was the guy came to return a couple of bags of cement and uh, there was no bill in the system. And really? That's when, they called, that's when they called us up and said, help, what do we do? We saw the audit trail because we separated each user and could see uh, each person had their own login. We could see the... Uh, person delete who deleted each transaction because QuickBooks has a great audit trail, and then they hired us to start doing the the uh, a month end close. <laughs> there you go. That <laughs> happened again. Right, right. Well, it sounds like just eliminating a lot of the opportunities for fraud, but also making sure that you're tracking what's happening to ensure that when it does happen, you can locate it and stop it in its tracks. I mean, it just exactly. sounds like great advice. And Stephen, thank you so much for joining us again. I think that you've given some, some fabulous insights and I'm sure that this will be very eye-opening for a lot of people. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Becky. And if anybody wants you know, some help or has some questions, you can reach me at Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at growthforce.com. Or our website, www.growthforce, G-R-O-W-T-H, force.com. And I'm on uh, LinkedIn, it's Stephen King CPA, and Twitter at SKingGForce. Well, that's it for this edition of Digging Deeper. Thank you to Stephen King at GrowthForce for taking the time to talk with us today. Tune in every week for another episode of the Digging Deeper podcast by 4constructionpros.com. You keep listening, we'll keep digging. Until next time.